A police raid in one of Vancouver's richest neighborhoods. Why dozens of officers searched this home. He had gang associations. Murder victim identified. The man killed in Surrey last night had a history with police. Sunny today, but a change is on the way when snow could arrive on the south coast. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Jordan Armstrong. Sonia's off tonight. A multi-million dollar home on Vancouver's west side was the scene of a police raid last night in connection with an ongoing illegal gaming investigation. As Kristen Robinson reports, the bust comes after a similar raid on the same date last year. This 1938 Shaughnessy home sold for $4.3 million in 2016. Most recently assessed at just under $4 million, it appears unblemished. But a closer look reveals a damaged door, evidence of a police raid. BC's anti-organized crime unit executing a search warrant related to an illegal gaming investigation. A man at the home who identified himself as Russell told Global News about 40 heavily armed cops raided his place Friday night, seizing his poker table and cell phone. He claims he just plays cards with his buddies, and they all love the game. The West Side bust comes exactly one year after a similar raid on Vancouver's East Side. That's when the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit raided an alleged illegal gaming house called Seven Hoss in the 1200 block of East Hastings near Clark Drive. Ads for the poker room sought tournament buy-ins of up to 340 bucks. 50-year-old Russell Lim was later charged with keeping a gaming or betting house and is due in court next month. Russell confirms his card game was also broken up last February, but says it was all a misunderstanding. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Homicide detectives have now identified the victim of last night's shooting in Surrey. He was a 30-year-old man well-known to police. He was gunned down just blocks away from the RCMP detachment, and a short time later, the getaway vehicle was found on fire. Here's Julia Foy. This is very shocking and, you know, very uh, scary. In, and, you know, it's very disappointing. Residents in this quiet Surrey neighborhood near King George Boulevard and 58A were rattled by the sounds of gunshots shortly before 7.30 Friday night. 14 police cars, a lot of gunshots. Yeah. Scary. Think about it, right? Pretty close to where we live. And, yeah, but especially with kids. When Surrey RCMP swarmed the area, they found a 30-year-old man dead at the scene. Bikram Chikak was known to police. We believe his murder was targeted, and we also believe his death is linked to the ongoing gang conflict here in the Lower Mainland. Just minutes after the shooting, a call came in about a vehicle on fire on the side of Colbrook Road, a short distance away. Unbelievable. Wow. One witness, who we are not identifying, shot this video. It was like, a, like an explosion, almost like a cannon, and it was like shooting out like 10, 15 times at the car. By morning, only the burnt-out husk of a vehicle is left. IHIT believes it may be the remains of a white Mercedes that was seen fleeing the area where the shooting took place. The plan is to uh, take it from the scene, 
uh, at Colebrook Road and, and King George Boulevard to our facility where we're going to go through it uh, meticulously and to gather the forensic evidence from it. Police are asking the public for any dash cam or security camera video that might have been taken in the area between 7 and 9 Friday night in the hopes the killers, a Bikram Jeep CAC, can be found. Let this be a warning to anyone who is involved uh, in the criminal lifestyle. Julia Foy, Global News. The public is still being told to be on the lookout for the suspect who shot a transit officer in Surrey earlier this week. Dayon Gordon Glasgow remains at large. He's accused of opening fire on Constable Josh Harms at the Scott Road Skytrain station Wednesday. The officer suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Police have released multiple images of Glasgow because his appearance has changed dramatically over the years. He is believed to be armed and dangerous, and he has a history of violence. If you spot him, do not approach. Instead, call 911 immediately. A pedestrian is in critical condition after being hit by a vehicle in Richmond this morning. It happened around 9 o'clock near Number 3 Road and Alderbridge Way. Details are slim, but police say the pedestrian was not on the road at the time of the single vehicle crash. A large amount of debris was left behind and that area was shut down for several hours. Another pedestrian struck today, this time on Vancouver Island. Investigators say the person was hit at Tyndall Avenue and Feltham Road in Saanich this morning. The victim's injuries are described as significant. The driver remained at the scene. Traffic investigators are trying to figure out what happened. Excessive speed was a factor in this spectacular crash in New Westminster overnight. Amazingly, the driver escaped injury when his Jeep went over a steep embankment just below the Patello Bridge. The road was closed for several hours. Police say alcohol was not involved, but the driver was obviously going too fast. To the interior now, and for the second time in two days, a stretch of Highway 97 near Summerland was closed after more rocks and debris came crashing down. As Jules Knox reports, the trouble is being caused by the changing temperature. Whoa. Holy. An avalanche of boulders cascading down the rock face north of Summerland Saturday morning. Beautiful. Drivers stopped on the highway with a front row seat to the spectacle. And all of a sudden it just started going, the fence, that chain link stuff that got over it, just ripped apart and just fl started flying. And then uh, from then it just basically just came right down in huge chunks, like way bigger than my van. The Transportation Ministry says freeze-thaw conditions caused a rock slide around 5.30 on Saturday morning. And then just over two hours later, another rock slide happened, this time spreading across all four lanes of the highway and completely closing the road. Wow, that's, that's Mother Nature at work. This stretch of highway troubled since Thursday night when an initial rock slide blockaded three lanes of the road. It's kind of frustrating. Like it's a close-knit community here, all the little things. And when something like this happens, if there's only one way in and out, it's kind of tough. Hundreds of travelers turned around on the busy highway. I'm trying to get to Penticton for a medic shift. We live in Aramata, so it affects us greatly. And now we have to make a decision if we're going to take a three-hour detour or go back to Kelowna. Rock scalers prepping the site for dynamite blasting, hauling drills up the steep slope. I saw one chunk that was probably as big as a house that came down. As for Dean Prattley, he has a warning. Pay attention to the flag people. They know what they're doing. Don't be impatient. And despite the close call, officials say no one has been injured in any of the rock slides. 
although there's no word on when the road might reopen. Jules Knox, Global News, near Summerland. Well, a change is in our forecast, and it's going to begin to feel like winter on the south <laughs> coast. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell is here with the details. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Jordan. Good evening, everyone. A special weather statement has been issued following areas that are in blue, eastern sections of the island, Victoria, Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, Howe Sound, and right along the Sunshine Coast. It is going to be very chilly. It begins this evening and continues in towards next week. What we will see with this Arctic air that is pushing in across the province, temperatures anywhere between 5 to 10 below below the normal and the potentials there for us to see some snow. We do have that cold air pushing in some moisture just offshore as early as the morning hours. We could see some flurries or showers, especially along the North Shore mountains and pushing in towards the interior sections. If you're heading along the mountain passes, we are looking at accumulating snowfall for tomorrow and chilly temperatures. Arctic air for the northern half of the province. I'll have more on that coming up shortly. Jordan. All right. We'll see you in a few. Thanks, Yvonne. A gathering on Vancouver Island today to remember Lindsay Buziak. The realtor was killed 11 years ago in a crime that remains unsolved. The victim's father, Jeff, leading the annual Lindsay Buziak Memorial Walk for Justice this morning. His 24-year-old daughter was stabbed to death in 2008 after being lured to a Saanich home by a couple posing as potential buyers. Despite a Crime Stoppers reenactment, a Dateline NBC special, and thousands of tips, no arrests have been made. Police say there was pre-planning and a possible conspiracy involved, and investigators are certain there are people who know what happened but have yet to come forward. If you murder somebody, you're going to be tracked down and prosecuted by the laws of this country, and we're not having that. So these people here all feel the same way. Like, why isn't this solved? I want this to be solved. Like, it's been 11 years now, and that's not okay. This is a nut that can be cracked, and the only way that it's going to be resolved now is to get somebody to talk. And there are people out there, there's somebody that knows something, and with enough public pressure, given enough time and the right motivation, somebody's going to talk, and that's what's going to lead to breaking the case and getting convictions. There is somebody out there that can help this investigation move forward. Um, and we, we really need those people or that person to come forward. A desperate search is underway for a stolen dog. The owners say the thief or thieves smashed the window of their car and took the pet from right out of their parked vehicle in the middle of a busy Vancouver neighborhood. Jill Bennett has the details. This is Luke, a 10-pound, 19-month-old dog, a dog that is very much a part of the Spiegel family. We're very fond of him and we just want his safe return. Leslie and Tim Spiegel are in Vancouver from Kelowna to visit family. On Thursday evening, they parked here on 15th and Main Street to pick up soup from a restaurant across the street. Half an hour later, 45 minutes, we came out and the window was smashed. And our dog, Luke, was in his travel bag. We always travel with him in his bag. And the bag was gone with Luke in it. The Spiegels have put up posters, hoping whoever took their dog will return Luke or drop him off at a local vet office or the SPCA. Maybe they just saw a bag and thought there was some, you know, something in the bag that was of value and they took him and we just hope they find compassion in their heart to return him to us. Yeah. Maybe somebody's seen him and they can help us. Susan Patterson, who founded a local dog rescue, is helping search for Luke, canvassing the downtown east side where she's helped find stolen dogs before. Quite frankly, this is our third offer to help recover a dog in about eight weeks. 
I don't know. It seems like it is definitely on the rise, and they're brazen, too. A $2,000 reward is being offered for Luke's return. Volunteers will also gather in Pigeon Park noon Sunday for another search. Somebody knows something about the dogs. In my experience, um, the word gets out and we get contacted. The pain is excruciating. Yes, the problem is he can't talk, he can't tell anybody what he's feeling, but he's feeling, he's, he, he, he's under such stress at the moment. The Spiegels plan to stay in Vancouver until they find out what happened to their dog. Jill Bennett, Global News. Skytrains at the busiest hub are pulling into a new reality this weekend in an effort to ease overcrowding. Passengers at Commercial Broadway Station can now exit and enter on both sides of the westbound trains. The all-door boarding is part of an $81 million upgrade to allow more people to move easily from platform to platform. Commercial Broadway sees 200,000 journeys each day as the terminus for the Millennium, Beeline and Expo Line. Renovations to stem the crush of passengers also include doubling elevator capacity. Finally open. Fantastic. What more? Do you find it more convenient? Of course, definitely to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. There's a more convenient access for us and easier ways to move around the city. Yeah, that's no, really good. I like the other side. It's going to make it a lot easier. So I'm just going to, to get the 99 today. So yeah, for me, it's just a matter of getting off here and getting the bus. <laughs> and that was pretty, uh, pretty seamless. Seamless, yeah, definitely. Been really easy. It'll be interesting to see what it's like on Monday. Welcome back. An urgent campaign is being held in Vancouver this weekend to help save a young man's life. Martin Lintag is battling two rare forms of blood cancer. And his current chances of finding a stem cell match on the registry are low because of his ethnicity. Nadia Stewart has more on how he's hoping to beat the odds. It would mean the world to me if it would be a second chance at life. Martin Lintag is hoping for a miracle. The once healthy and active 30-year-old now battling two rare blood cancers, acute lymphocytic leukemia and acute myeloid leukemia. His doctors say he desperately needs to find a compatible stem cell donor. Just this past week, I learned that my cancer cells jumped from 4% to 60%. He's our only son now. Martin's mother, Linda, has already suffered the loss of one son. She does not want her family to endure the pain a second time. It's why she's thankful for volunteers who've organized a weekend donor drive targeting Metro Vancouver's Filipino community. The effort spearheaded by people like Adrian San Juan, whose sister found a match to treat her rare cancer in December. We just wanted to kind of pay it forward and help other Filipino families um, go through this and help them with doing the drives. Now the push is on in Metro Vancouver, Toronto and Edmonton to encourage Filipinos across Canada to register. I think we just need to just keep pounding and hounding everyone and, and eventually once they realize how many people this is affecting, they'll, they'll be more willing to come out. When you look at our database in Canada, it's about 68-69% Caucasian, uh, which is great if you're a Caucasian patient, it makes it easier to find a match, but if you're anybody else, then you can have a much harder time finding a match. Drives organized by San Juan and Nguyen have led to more than 600 people getting swabbed and matches being found. As they join forces for Martin, Linda is hopeful her community will come out in big numbers as they wait for the miracle they so desperately need. It only takes a few minutes of their time, and which can mean the life of another person, the life of my Martin. Adia Stork, Global News. 
In the midst of BC's roller coaster real estate market, a condo development company is offering something different to try and entice potential buyers. Two towers called Park George near the King George Skytrain station will be built by 2021 with about 700 suites. It's also setting up an entire business floor in one of the buildings for people living there to use as office space for free. There will also be a boardroom. The developer believes it will attract those who want to be able to work from home but remain in a professional environment. What we're really appealing to is a lot of the um, newer, younger millennial people who don't maybe want to work five days a week and they want to maybe go into work three days a week and spend two days at home. And we we're giving them advantage to have it with a video conferencing room, a lounge where they can actually meet people and, and do some of their work on their laptop within within the building itself. So this is a rather unique opportunity to have a high rise with 110,000 square feet of amenity space. Canada's groundhogs are at odds over when spring will arrive this year. Throw away your shovels, put on a smile, for Willie says it will be an early spring by a country mile. Ontario Premier Doug Ford was on hand this morning when Wyerton Willie emerged to declare an early spring is on the way. But Nova Scotia's Shubenacadie Sam contradicted that after he saw his shadow this morning, which according to tradition means six more weeks of winter. In Calgary, mascot Balzac Billy delivered good news when his shadow was nowhere in sight. In the U.S., Pennsylvania's most famous groundhog, Punxsutawney Phil, emerged from his burrow at sunrise and did not see his shadow. The annual festivities have their origin in a German legend that says if a furry rodent casts a shadow on February 2nd, winter continues. If not, spring comes early. Well, Yvonne and Mary <laughs> join us now, and I guess we should be listening to Sam around here. Yes, and hopefully, I think, I know there's a bit odd, so not everybody's on par, but I'm hoping that no one sees their shadow. I think that's what we're <laughs> going for. <laughs> you guys don't use quite that kind of technology as no. high-tech as oh. that. No, I think we should yours. start, we should really catch on and be on the same train as them. <laughs> Did you see your shadow today? I know, uh, I'm going to say that I didn't <laughs> see my shadow today, but it is going to feel more winter-like. Hopefully, we've got a blast of winter. We showed you at the top of the show a special weather statement right across the south coast a look at some of our current numbers and what we're seeing right now current temperatures for the northeastern corners of the province into the minus 20s but with the wind chill overnight and for the morning hours feeling closer to minus 40 that chilly air pushing across the southern half of the province we've talked about the chance for some snow i'll outline more and we'll talk about how long the cold snap will last coming up shortly Okay, it may be a weekend, I suppose, to stay inside and yes. watch TV. And luckily, there's a lot to watch yeah, this weekend. Yeah, the Canucks, remember them? Yes. It's been a while, uh, 10 days off since the, the big All-Star break. So they're back at it, dare I say it, to begin their playoff push. Uh, if they beat the Avalanche tonight, they actually move into the second wild card in the West. We still have a ways to go, but who would have thought, you know, back in October, yeah. the Canucks would be in the running. So we'll set that up. Uh, good, exciting news for a, a BC skier at the World uh, uh, Freestyle Ski Championships in Utah. Mariel Thompson won another gold. We'll have that. And uh, some tennis news. Lots going on. A Toronto police officer who was involved in the previous arrest of a convicted serial killer is accused of misconduct. Sergeant Paul Gauthier is set to appear before a police disciplinary tribunal Tuesday to face charges of insubordination and neglect of duty. 
A lawyer representing him is defending his client's role in a 2016 incident in which Bruce MacArthur was arrested but not charged. MacArthur pleaded guilty this past week to eight counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of men with ties to Toronto's gay community. Another angle to show you tonight of that dramatic dam collapse in Brazil. Take a look. This is the moment the dam gave way, unleashing a torrent of mine waste. The disaster happened January 25th. At least 121 people were killed, but more than 220 people are still missing and presumed dead. The governor of Virginia is vowing to remain in office despite widespread calls for his resignation. That's after a racist photo surfaced on his med school yearbook page. Ralph Northam said he was not in that photo, but admitted to once appearing in blackface. At a news conference today, he begged for forgiveness, but is refusing to step aside. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam says it wasn't him in that racist photo from his med school yearbook. I believe then and now that I am not either of the people in that photo. You're saying that you had no idea this racist photo existed before it surfaced less than 24 hours ago. That's correct. I was uh, in the United States Army uh, while I was in medical school. Uh, I was doing rotations uh, out of the state. Uh, I had nothing to do with the preparation of the uh, yearbook, nor did I buy one. It's a reversal for the Virginia Democrat who less than 24 hours ago apologized for appearing in the picture. That photo and the racist and offensive attitudes it represents does not reflect that person I am today. I am deeply sorry. Today, Northam alluded to other actions in his past, saying in 1984 he won a dance contest where he wore dark shoe polish on his face as part of a Michael Jackson costume. I didn't personally find it as, as unacceptable at that, that time. I have learned since, again, uh, in talking to my friend Seth. The, the picture, though, that is in the EVMS yearbook with the, the black facing uh, and the member of the KKK uh, is just horrific. Despite Northam's defiance, a long list of people now calling for him to step down. Virginia's Legislative Black Caucus, the state's Democratic Party, Democratic candidates for president, and the Democratic National Committee. Thank you so much, guys. If Northam were to leave office, 39-year-old Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax would become the second black governor in Virginia's history. An eight-year-old boy in China learned the hard way what not to do with fireworks. The scene was caught on security video as the boy appeared to drop two lit fireworks into a manhole. As he ran from the scene, the sewer cover blew off, sending smoke and bricks flying. Police say the child escaped without injury. The explosion was a result of methane gas in the sewer. In Health Matters tonight, when it comes to losing weight, eating breakfast may not be the most important meal of the day. Researchers in Australia looked at data from 13 past studies. They found that when it came to weight loss, there was no significant difference between people who skipped breakfast and those who did eat it. In fact, those who ate breakfast consumed slightly more calories throughout the day. The authors say overall breakfast should not be recommended across the board for people trying to lose weight. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control says children are using too much toothpaste. A new survey finds nearly 40 percent of kids between three to six years old use a brush full or half full of toothpaste. 
Experts recommend a smear the size of a pea for most children and the size of a grain of rice for those under three. The agency warns too much fluoride can lead to tooth streaking or spottiness later in life. We may be bracing for the coming cold on the south coast, but it is already bone-chilling cold in parts of Alberta. This is Edmonton, where the deep freeze has arrived. Temperatures dropping to dangerous levels today in the city and around the province. Edmontonians out and about were warned to bundle up. An extreme cold warning remains in effect. See, Yvonne, it could always be much worse, right? <laughs> yes, we have to look for the silver lining, yes. right? But uh, the similar cold conditions are going to push in for the southern half of the province. First off, this evening, though, it is dry. It was beautiful today. We had some sunny breaks. I hope you got out and enjoy it. The change is on the way for tomorrow. We're currently sitting at 5 degrees. The high today was at 7. A westerly wind right now at 28 kilometers per hour. The following warnings that are in effect across B.C., the peace in the central interior. We've got uh, extreme cold warnings. So the wind chills feeling closer to minus 40 overnight and for the early morning hours. Arctic outflow warning along the north coast, inland sections included with the wind chill at minus 20. And for areas near Haida Gwaii, we've got a warning that is in effect. The potential is to see snow squalls for the early morning hours. What we are tracking though, overnight wind chills, so many spots feeling into the minus 40s. Areas near Quenelle could get see dip down to minus 37. And interior sections will be into the minus teens. Areas near Kamloops though could be closer to minus 20. Cool Arctic air, that's the big weather story that we're following. It is going to push in and continue across the southern half. The moisture that we're seeing offshore moving in as early as the morning hours and the potentials there. We're looking at a chance of showers with the moisture and even a chance of flurries and accumulating snowfall will be for interior sections. But one of the weather models that we have picked up are seeing the snowfall. We could see the amounts though, especially for how sound and stretching in towards Whistler with the range between two and up to five centimeters for a few areas and along the mountain passes. It is going to start to develop late this evening and overnight, but through the day tomorrow, the sea to sky, 5 and up to 10 centimeters. Coquihalla, 2 and up to 4, similar for the Rogers Pass. That should say Allison Pass, 4 and up to 6 in areas near the Kootenai Pass. It's 2 and up to 4 centimeters through the day with an additional 2 centimeters towards the evening. The piece tomorrow, very chilly, but dry over the next three days, and once again, the wind chills into the minus 40s. Areas near Whitehorse starting off at minus 40 with the wind chill and at minus 30 for the afternoon. Along the north coast, that's where we're seeing the Arctic outflow warning, minus 20 through the day, afternoon tomorrow at minus 12. Areas near the Caribou and Central Interior remaining sunny, dry, very chilly with the uh, extreme cold warning that is in effect and the Columbian Kootenai region. We're looking at snowfall over the next two days and gusty winds tomorrow northwesterly up to 40 kilometers per hour. Thompson, Okanagan, two and up to four centimeters. Most areas, it's light snowfall accumulating along the mountain passes. Gusty winds tomorrow up to 50 kilometers per hour. Whistler will see some snowfall, especially if you're traveling along the Sea to Sky and areas near Whistler, and then a nice clearing both Monday, Tuesday. Areas near the island tomorrow, the potential, especially for eastern sections and near Victoria, is where we could see a chance of flurries and snowfall with the cool Arctic air and the moisture that is pushing in. So we're leaving a chance of showers or flurries across Metro Vancouver, higher elevations, and then stretching in towards Whistler. We'll see accumulating 
snowfall. It is going to be very chilly, but dry starting our Monday onwards. Tuesday, Wednesday, ch- take a look at our overnight lows down to minus 5 and minus 6. Jordan? Oh, it'll be nice to have the sun back, though. Thanks, Yvonne. You bet. As British Columbians wait for the NDP government to bring in ride-sharing legislation, a warning from a Calgary Uber driver. He's speaking out after he discovered kids are riding alone in Uber vehicles. As Krista Dow reports, he says it happens all the time. For this Calgary Uber driver, there's little he hasn't seen. I've seen it all. I've been sexually harassed, been uh, grabbed, been yelled at. But on Monday, a series of events prompted him to speak out. I had received three requests for minors unbeknownst to me. I didn't realize that they were minors until I actually uh, approached their houses and they stepped out. Global News has agreed not to identify the Calgary Uber driver as he fears repercussions for speaking out. He tells Global when he saw the riders were children between ages 7 and 10, he cancelled all three rides. The experience leaving a bitter taste in his mouth and he's reminding parents to be extra cautious. I would hate for anything to happen to to a child, to a minor, just be put in a bad situation because uh, it was just too easy to, to call an Uber. The city of Calgary, however, says the same rules apply to all. Both Uber and taxi drivers go through the very same strict vetting process, which includes a thorough police background check. The city says its safety checklist speaks to the trust parents have in the system. People trust the regulatory oversight which the city provides over the industry. They understand, namely parents, that they can allow their child at times to enter a mode of transportation and safely arrive at their destinations. For its part, Uber says every trip is GPS tracked and no trip is anonymous. Its policy explicitly prohibits drivers from picking up children. But this Calgary driver says he still sees it far too often. Probably get it maybe about seven or eight times a week. He's asking parents to put the onus on themselves, as there are plenty of drivers and parents who still break the rules. Parents are relying too much on Uber. Not everybody has the same uh, good intentions as I do, so let's be diligent as adults and take care of our, our children. Krista Dow, Global News. Time for sports in 2019 has been good to the Canucks. Yeah, well, they uh, you know, basically they've had a very good year, except when they had that big swoon in November yep. when they won once out of like 14 games. But other than that, they've been a pretty good team, and they're right there as we get ready for the uh, stretch run. Thanks very much, Jordan. Uh, back in October, not many uh, even optimistic Canuck fans would have figured Vancouver would be tied for the final playoff spot in the West at the All-Star break, but here they are, 31 games to go, and literally their destiny in their own hands. They likely need... I think to get to about 88 points to get in, which would mean another 18, maybe 19 wins in those final 31. A tall task, certainly, but a possible one tonight in their first game since uh, their 10-day All-Star break. The Canucks can jump over Colorado into that final playoff spot with a win over the Avs. That game starts at 7 o'clock, and we'll have all the highlights tonight at 11. NHL today, Oilers at Philly, Edmonton, part of that large group with the Canucks, battling for a West wildcard berth. First period, Connor McDavid, spectacular effort. Does he score any ugly goals? Muscles past the Flyers, rifles the wrister past Carter Hart, his 30th two on Edmonton. Third period, Oilers shorthanded. Zach Cassian also determined. Breaks in, beats Flyers' uh, rookie goalie there to make it 4-2 Edmonton. But the Oilers penalty kill killed him. It was atrocious. Philly went 4-5 for five on the power play. The fourth, this rebound effort from Wayne Simmons. 4-4 and... Sends the game to overtime. In OT, Flyers with the big pressure. They missed the first chance, but Nolan Patrick will make good on the second, beating Cam Talbot 
His 10th of the year, Flyers have won seven in a row. Oilers get a point, now trail Vancouver by two points in the West. Another team in the mix, Anaheim. Ducks welcoming Corey Perry back. First game of the year after missing four months with a serious knee injury in preseason. Now, if he thought rehab was painful, look out. Already one nothing Jets. Jacob Trubas brings Jack Roslovic on the breakaway. 2-0 Winnipeg. Jets get another pretty setup here as Blake Wheeler finishes to make it 3-0. And the onslaught was just beginning against uh, John Gibson and the Ducks. Now 4-0, and it's uh, Roslovic walking in and ripping it in. Brendan Lemieux also scored 9-3. Winnipeg leading this one now in the third. We'll watch the wraparound from Lemieux. But uh, Winnipeg setting a team record with six goals in the first, as mentioned, up 9-3 in the third. Montreal Canadiens have shocked many by staying in the playoff hunt. Habs hosting the Devils. Philip Danneau giving Montreal the lead with this deflection goal late in the second. So 2-1 Canadiens after two. But in the third, the Devils tie it up. Nico Heischer, the number one pick from a couple of years back, corrals a loose puck and risks a rocket past Antti Niemi. Heischer's 15th. And then in overtime, it's Heischer one more time. Finds a seam, races in and scores one on Niemi that he would like back. But it's the Devils who take it 3-2 with the loser point, though the Habs now are a point back of the Leafs in the Atlantic. Penguins and Leafs from Toronto. Speaking of the Leafs, Mitch Marner and company hoping to get a victory to uh, ensure their playoff participation this year. But it's the Penguins who score first. Sidney Crosby is 23rd. Not known for the slapper, but he's got a pretty good one-timer. 2-1 pens, but uh, back come the Leafs. It's Austin Matthews stuffing in the rebound. That made it 2-1. Pittsburgh actually led 2-0 in this one, but the Leafs tied it and then took the lead late in the second. Zach Hyman corralling the puck, kicking it to his stick and knocking it in. 3-2 Leafs right now late in the third. World Freestyle Ski Championships from Utah and Whistler's Mariel Thompson in the women's big final. Thompson, the 2014 Olympic gold medalist in this event, wearing the red bib, made a late move to pass Swiss skier Fanny Smith. They've had great battles in the big races for many years, and this time Thompson gets the job done. A tremendous race for Mariel, who will just take it at the finish line. And Mariel Thompson, the world champion today in Utah, Congratulations to her. Former Whitecap Alfonso Davies got into his second Bundesliga match today for Bayern Munich on the road versus Bayer Leverkusen. Subbed in for Jamis Rodriguez. Davies showing some skill on this play. Taking it all the way to the end line. Was brought down. No foul on the play. But Davies seemed to be gaining confidence and has got confidence uh, from his manager to throw him in in a game they were down one. Unfortunately, Davies couldn't help get the equalizer. Lucas Alario puts it away for Barr in the 87th. 3-1 the final as they beat Bayern Munich. Premier League, Tottenham Hotspur with a chance to jump past Manchester City with a win versus Newcastle. And in the 83rd, Son Hung Min delivers the winner. Spurs win their third straight, all without Harry Kane, of course. They now move a point past Man City, but City play tomorrow at home to Arsenal. Chelsea trying to bounce back from that 4-0 pasting at the hands of Burnmouth on Wednesday. Chelsea's worst EPL loss in over 20 years. They made up for it today. Gonzalo Higuain just picked up on loan from Juventus. Gets his first goal for Chelsea in the 16th. That made it 1-0 in the 66th. Eden Hazard, great patience, walks around the keeper. 
fires it in. His second of the game made it 3-0, and three minutes later, Higuain back for a second as well. Beautifully set up by Hazard and Conte. Chelsea blowout last place, Huddersfield Town 5-0. Chelsea now solo fourth with 50 points. Welcome back. Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl 17 years ago against the St. Louis Rams. Since then, Brady's brought his New England Patriots to the big dance eight more times, including tomorrow against the Rams one more time. This time, of course, they play out of L.A. And he's favored to beat them again. More from Chanel in our season finale of The Red Zone. When these teams met in Super Bowl 36, it was the launch of the Brady-Belichick era. 17 years later to the day, the Rams and the Patriots meet again, this time in Atlanta. Now, back in 2002, New England was a 14-point underdog, but pulled off one of the biggest upsets in Super Bowl history. This time, they're the favorites and go for a six-championship ring, looking to equal the Steelers for the most titles in Super Bowl history. Jared Goff struggled early versus New Orleans, but found his passing rhythm in the second half, completing three passes for more than 33 yards to three different players. He'll look for some holes versus the Pats secondary that gave up almost 300 yards versus the Chiefs. The key to success for LA will likely come via the run game. Todd Gurley had an off day last week, but he and CJ Anderson look to take advantage of a New England team that gave up almost five yards a carry during the regular season tied for third worst in the NFL. Aaron Donald wreaked havoc on the Saints' O-line, posting three quarterback hits and two tackles for lost yards. He led the NFL with 20 and a half sacks during the regular season. Now last week, the league's top pass rush did not sack Tom Brady or knock him down once in the game. If LA gives him time in the pocket, they'll likely get burned. Tom Brady has been a machine in the last two Super Bowls, throwing for 971 total yards and five touchdowns. In this year's playoffs, almost 700 yards and a couple of scores. He now faces a Rams secondary that gave up 31 passing touchdowns, sixth most during the regular season. Expect a heavy dose of James White, Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski, each player playing big roles the last two Super Bowls. Gronk with nine catches, 116 yards and two touchdowns last year. Now, if the Rams' defense can't slow down this trio, Brady likely adds to his legacy. Two weeks ago, the Pats were able to hold KC to just 41 yards on the ground. L.A. was number three in rushing during the regular season, while New England 11th best against a run. Now, the Patriots have created 30 turnovers, including this postseason. That battle could be the difference on Sunday. New England is favored by two and a half points, but in their previous eight trips to the Super Bowl, the Patriots are just three and five against the spread. All right, Davis Cup from Slovakia. Canada lost the doubles match earlier today, so they're down 2-1. Needed to win both singles matches to advance. Denis Shapovalov taking on Slovakia's top player, Martin Klizan. Shapo won his first singles match yesterday. He gets a bit fortunate here. Net cord goes his way, took the first set. Now to match point, and Klezon will eventually hit long, and Shapovalov wins it, keeps Canada alive. It's tied two wins apiece. Now it's up to 18-year-old Felix Oje Aliasim taking on Norbert Gombos. Felix, like Dennis, so much potential, shows some of that here. Very aggressive, 
wins the point, takes the first set. Now to match point and Felix with the ace and Canada moving on to the Davis Cup Finals. Kids doing the job for Canada. It's a new format this year in Davis Cup. 18 countries in a single one-week tournament. It goes this November in Spain, and Canada will be there. Third round of the Waste Management Open from Phoenix. Rowdy crowd at the famed 16th, as always. Ricky Fowler got everyone fired up on the 5th from long distance. A 37-footer for birdie. Fowler had the lead after the second round and was never in danger of losing that lead today at the ninth. Fowler again, stuffing it to a couple of feet, makes his fifth birdie of the round. He's got a four-shot lead and at 17. Fowler from 13 feet, that's his eighth birdie of the day, gets to 20 under, four-shot lead on Matt Kuchar. Fowler looking for his first PGA Tour win in nearly two years. Adam Hadwin, 41st at 5-under, but he's 15 back of Fowler. And Canada-France, Sydney-Australia rugby sevens. Canada won their opener against Kenya. Then Pat Kay will go in here. Canada looking good against France. They led 12-7, but the French are going to answer back. Actually, on the ensuing kickoff after this try, Thibaut Mazzolini will end up going the distance. France would win 17-12. Canada lost its third match to the U.S., so Canada on the consolation side. They meet Scotland later tonight, which is, of course, uh, Sunday in Australia. Don't forget HSBC Vancouver Rugby Sevens this March and 9th and 10th at BC Place. I think a lot of those guys at the 16th hole in Phoenix yeah. actually come to BC Place. I, I recognize so. some of the banana costumes, costumes, I think, so yeah. always a great time. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackholm with 19 new centimeters. Grouse with a base of 230. 24 new centimeters for Cypress and 22 for Sasquatch. 10 new centimeters for Revelstoke. Fernie, 32 new centimeters. 18 new centimeters for Manning Park and 24 for Whitewater. Big White and Sun Peaks, one new centimeter. Silver Star with three new centimeters. Kicking Horse with 29 new centimeters. Mount Washington, two. Powder King, 14. In North Carolina, the Super Bowl picks are going to the dogs. It is an annual tradition to let the puppies from the SPCA in Wake County, North Carolina, guess the winners of each Super Bowl. The first pups go for the Rams 2-1. to one. Up next, the Hounds want to get in on the action. These two think about it for a bit before a split decision, but in the end, the Patriots fans switch sides, and it looks like it's a full house for the Rams. Further south, they turn to a sea lion. Maverick lives at the Riverbank Zoo in Columbia, South Carolina. A zoo worker tossed two footballs into the water, one with the Patriots logo, one with the Rams logo. Maverick's pick, the LA Rams. Last year, he accurately picked the Philadelphia Eagles to win the big game. So all of the animals, well, at yeah. least all the ones featured here, are going for the Rams. I guess all the animals, I mean, they have to hope that one day they'll be lucky enough to be a predictor for the big games. <laughs> you know, a second career. You know, yes. And then prognostic. <laughs> Thanks for joining us at 6. We're back at 11. Good night. <laughs> Good night.